WKCR-FM New York, this is Jazz Alternatives. WKCR-FM New York, WKCR-HD1, WKCR.org. I'm Mitch Goldman, and here is some music from the Art Ensemble of Chicago that you've never heard.
I hate to interrupt, especially when somebody's blowing the whistle on us, but I want to tell you where you are. You're listening to WKCR. We call the show Deep Focus. Here's why. We invite a guest into the studio, and that guest chooses a topic of uh, pursuit, and the challenge is on your humble narrator to find live, unreleased recordings of that subject, and I'm very happy to introduce... Our guest tonight, returning to the studio, welcome, Melvin Gibbs. Hello, Mitch. Hello, people of KCR land. So, uh, what do we got, man? Where are we? Today's Deep Focus is Art Ensemble of Chicago. And I wanted to, I I made it even harder because (laughs) I wanted to go back to like the era when I got into them, which was like, you know, late 70s. And we found a few... Mitch, in his infinite wisdom, found a few great things from that era, and we'll find, we found something else a bit later that kind of shows the lighter side of them. But, and uh, Yeah, I mean, well, this, if you don't know the Art Ensemble Chicago, uh, how, where, where to begin? I'll tell you who we're listening to. It's that first uh, explosive trumpet solo was Lester Bowie, we heard Roscoe Mitchell on tenor saxophone, and uh, as well as Joseph Jarman just passed right there. Uh, Malachi Favors on the bass, Don Moye on the drums, and Art Ensemble Chicago. Uh, this particular recording in Hamburg, Germany, at the Fabrique, June of 1977. You might have uh, you might have passed that way once or twice along the. Yeah, I've played at Fabrique a couple of times. It's, it was a nice place. I don't know if it's still open now, but I always had a great time there. Yeah. Yeah, in Hamburg. Yeah, Hamburg, the scenic, <laughs> <laughs> scenic Hamburg. Vibrant, always a vibrant music town. Yeah, it was always great for music, and you always—it was one of the places where everybody always did great shows, as you can hear. Yeah, 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 yeah. People came out. Yep. Absolutely. So now there are a lot of great groups to choose from. We've done a few of these. We've done some great ones, and um, it's funny this conversation that I have with people and I, I usually don't have it until we're on the air. Um, I'm often, it's something I would not have predicted you to call, but once you said, I was like, Oh yeah. But tell us what, what draws you to them? Maybe talk about when you first discovered them. Well, when I first discovered them, wow, that's an interesting question. I don't actually even know the context of, how I first discovered them. Maybe I saw an album in somebody's house or something. But the thing that drew me to them was the same thing that drew me to to Sun Ra. It wasn't actually the music, it was the intense theatricality of uh-huh. what they yeah, did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
And at the time I heard them, I was old enough to kind of start to understand jazz. So I understood they were playing at a very high level and I understood that they were doing a bunch of uh, you know, challenging music. But they, the way they presented it made it so appealing that you just kind of had to get into it. And that's kind of what was great about it for me. Well, maybe unpack that a little bit. When you say theatricality, that could... What is for somebody who hasn't... Well, they were all characters, right? You know, it's like uh, Moyer with the face paint looking like some kind of weird, like, African witch doctor, you know, and you got uh, uh, Lester Bowie's wearing his, like, uh, doctor's outfit, and it's, like, drums everywhere, and everybody's kind of shaking everything, and then you got... Uh, Roscoe, who just looks like this kind of college professor. <laughs> Which he was. <laughs> you know, so you have these like. And is maybe. Yeah, and, and, and still is, yes. And, uh, and then, you know, Jarman, who was just this kind of really sort of super amped personality that was just, you know, just like bundle of energy, you know. And then, you, you know. He had like a, they all kind of did, but he in particular had a sort of somehow radiated this mystical kind of quality. Yeah. Well, and then he actually literally became a Zen monk. So he stopped doing music and became a Zen monk. I think he's playing music again now, or he is playing music again now, but for a while he was just doing the spiritual thing. So you had these this really interesting, and you know, you got Malachi, who's just your bass player guy. <laughs> <laughs> Says you're, the bass player. Your enigmatic bass player, you know. So you have these characters that, you know, from, you know, coming from that era where you have like a band where everybody kind of looks congruent or you have like, you know, uh, like a sunrise situation where you have this sort of, uh, you know, Ubermensch who's kind of running this thing. It, for me, it was kind of closer to P-Funk in a kind of way because you had these like characters that they were kind of all up there and they were kind of all doing their thing. But they kind of did what they felt like. And always, even though, you know, P-Funk was much more arranged, it, it always had this sort of little, this kind of chaotic element to it that guys were always kind of doing what they wanted. And that's kind of really what attracted it, me to them, that it had this feeling that uh, even though it, it had this feeling that it was kind of really much about them making music in a way that worked for them you know, and getting it across. And it wasn't, how can I put it? It's it's kind of like, I mean, this is going to sound kind of crazy in context, but it's kind of like, even if, you, you almost felt like if there was no audience, they would have just been doing exactly the same thing because that's just kind of who they were. As opposed to like, okay, we're going to make a show and it's going to be this, you know. So that's that, that was really kind of what was compelling to me about them, this the, just the vibe around it and then that kind of made me get into the music of it and, and yet i don't people shouldn't interpret from that the idea that they're you know sort of playing to one another and you know if you're if you get it great and if not they're going to leave you behind there there was a, actually the music could be very abstruse and very ordered on a level mm. that was not easy to catch up with but there was always a Tremendous effort to engage the audience. Yes, I mean, and that, that I guess that didn't come across an explanation. I mean, I guess for me, you know, I mean, I always kind of go back, and 
Honestly, I'm not sure if they played there and if that was the first time I heard them. It might have been another context. It might have been like, might have been much later at like public theater or something. But I always go back to uh, what we used to call the East Festival, which is now called the African Street Fair now. They have it nowadays. They have it in Brooklyn at the uh, same park in Fort Greene where they have Afropunk. But back in those days, they used to have it at Boys High in Bed-Stuy in, in, the, in, the, in the yard behind Boys High. And it was uh, the thing, great thing about the African Street Fair was the concerts. And they always had really great concerts. But the thing about it, it was that it was just like a, a certain amount of kind of like this spiritual kind of like intelligentsia of black Brooklyn. But then it was the rest of it was just people from the neighborhood. So these guys had to play for like regular people. They weren't just playing for the, uh, you know, intelligentsia. So when I think about Sun Ra, that's what I think about. I think about him playing for like the regular people of Bed-Stuy and totally captivating them. And it's the same thing with Art Ensemble for me. It's kind of like they could do this thing for like my parents. And my parents would have been like, Melvin, you know, I don't normally like this stuff, but that was great. (laughs) And that really, that was, that kind of was really a big part of what appeals, what appeals to me about them. Do you, uh, for you as a contemporary band leader, mm-hmm. are there lessons in that for you? Oh, there's all kind of lessons. I mean, once I actually started playing music <clears throat> and I could hear, like, the depth of what they were doing and that it, it wasn't just, like, a bunch of notes that kind of were just there because they were there, you know, uh, there were so many levels of um, knowledge about music and about how to structure a show, all kind of di- many different things. Many, But the main thing for me now, and I guess that's the reason why they kind of, I kind of vibe with them so much, is that, you know, I'm a co-leader of a band, Harriet Tubman, and they are in a very large sense one of our influences and uh, around this idea that uh, they came up with called great black music I mean people ask me to describe what Tubman does now and I usually tell them we do uh, GBM uh. <laughs> <laughs> they nod yeah, exactly. oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. and they're kind of like oh is G- GBM like EDM no actually <laughs> GBM is great black music so it's kind of the updated idea of what our ensemble does. And the thing for you're, me... You're the F in GBM. <laughs> <laughs> I guess I am. So that was uh, the other half of that. They'd say great black music, ancient to the future. Ancient to the future. And the thing for me as a, you know, as a you know, college student was I understood the future part of what they were doing, but I didn't at all get the ancient part. Mm-hmm. And the mm-hmm. thing that I had to, the thing that came from listening, you know, to all different kind of jazz from like Willie Lyon Smith back to Fletcher Henderson, all through the history of jazz was to really hear how much they grabbed from different eras and how that thing, that informed what they did. And that that's that's the thing that, now I really kind of vibe on when I hear them just to kind of 
range of music that they touch on in the course of 60 minutes is just really, you know, uh, you got to just, as a musician, I just got to like, you know, it's like, give them a, give them a namaste. They just, they, it's just always amazing to like where they go and how they get there and the switch ups. And when they bring in the, the, the theatrical elements, how they relate back to, you know, what they did 45 minutes before or, you know, how they'll really kind of hit something that's, you know, almost kind of quasi ragtime or quasi Dixieland, these kind of weird elements. And then they'll hit something that's very kind of Midwest Chicago, which is something else I had to be around a bunch of Midwest guys to understand those references. And they'll just construct this thing that, I mean, you could write a doc, a doctoral thesis just kind of just going through one of their records if you wanted to do that. That's just the level of 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 conceptual, you know, weight that they bring to what they're doing, and that's really or a really great comic book, or or a really great comic book. Oh, I'm so mad about this. I'm not even mad. Uh, Congratulations to you, Wayne. You just beat <laughs> <laughs> you to it. <laughs> yeah, beat him. You know the comic book thing, but you know somebody had to do it, right? Yeah. So, and why not he, him? He absolutely. He's the because man if to you it. know he was, he's been thinking about that a lot longer than I have. So you know, bless him. Yeah, yeah. Just makes means when you know when I get around to it, I'll have to do something else. <clears throat> Shall we? Yes. Shall we let him? Uh... Turn them loose? Yeah, turn them loose. Okay, so uh, you're listening to WKCR. I'm Mitch Goldman. The show's called Deep Focus. Melvin Gibbs is here. Melvin Gibbs of the band Harriet Tubman with J.T. Lewis and Brandon Ross. They have a new record out. I like to say record, like Phil Schaff. (laughs) Record album. My my unspoken tribute to Phil. And um, we're going to talk about that a little bit, too, coming up. But uh, we are... Our focus, our deep focus right now is on the Art Ensemble of Chicago. Uh, We are in Hamburg, June of 1977. This is from the WKCR archives. And uh, fasten your seatbelts.
take this moment to jump in and ask our bass player about uh, what's happening in this music right now. But first, I have to let you know that you are listening to WKCR-FM New York, 
WKCR HD1 or maybe WKCR.org or maybe any other number of other ways to tune us in. Let the folks know they could find us uh, on the computer if they don't get us at 89.9 FM. I'm Mitch Goldman. I said all that in one breath. And uh, we call the show Deep Focus. And what we do, we have a guest in the studio and uh, we zero in on one aspect of this music, of the guests choosing, and we plunge into the WKCR archives, which are real, by the way. Yes, they are. Have you been? Have I taken you in there? Have yes, you, you have. There? There's some great stuff in there. It's, it's mind-blowing. It's kind of scary. It goes back. I mean, we literally, we literally have player piano rolls. We have Edison cylinders. We have stuff. And, of course, we have stuff that is found nowhere else in oh, the I'm world. Oh, I'm going to make you play some Edison cylinders next time. We're, <laughs> okay. we're going way back now. <laughs> All right. Um, but tonight, actually, uh, great thanks to the folks of the German radio station that did a fine job recording this music. Sounds every bit as good as many a uh, LP or CD you'll find out there. But our guest tonight, I'm happy to say, Melvin Gibbs here in the studio. New album out from the band Harriet Tubman. Yes, the terror end of beauty. The terror end of beauty. There's a lot in that. There's a lot in I I I, I very poetic title. Yes. Uh, is there a story you care to favor us with? Well, it's a riff on the famous uh, Sunny Shyrock quote, where he talks about wanting to put together the terror and the beauty in one song. Ah, uh, yeah. So we decided to kind of flip that a little bit. <laughs> and it talks about, basically, uh, the riff I used when I described it was, uh, many years ago, I went hang gliding in Brazil really? off the cliff there where you go hang gliding. And uh, I would not have expected you to say that. Well, you know, that was back when I was a rock and roller, and I had to do, <laughs> okay. like, something rock and roll, right? So that was the rock and roll thing I picked. And... Uh, <laughs> Could have been a lot worse. <laughs> well, you, the thing is, you don't go by yourself. There's a, it's a, it's right, a tandem right, right. thing, so there's yeah. somebody there, so you're not, you know. But the funny thing was, when we were practicing running, the guy was kind of like, if you run like that, we will die. <laughs> so <laughs> we had to practice running some more till we got it. Wow. So anyway, the way it happens is you run, you run, you, you run off this cliff, and it's kind of like Bugs Bunny because you got to keep <laughs> running like after you've uh, already gone. And what happens is, you're running, you're running, running, running. You jump off the cliff and you're falling, you're falling, you're falling. You're like, oh, oh, I didn't say the bad word. You're like, <laughs> oh gosh, I'm going to die. I'm going to die. I'm die. And then all of a sudden the wind catches it and then you're flying. And that moment where you feel like, oh my God, I'm going to die. That's the terror end. And then when the wind catches you, that's the beauty. And anything that's like serious like that, there's always like, you know, like when you're, when you're in love and you don't know. You know, that it's that that's the terror end. It's that like, I don't know. Yeah. And then it goes through and then but the, the 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 paradox is the more beautiful the thing is, the more terror is involved. <laughs> so <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. I was just talking about this with with a thirteen year old that oh, okay. I know. <laughs> and um <laughs> about the difference about about beauty, about what it is and the difference between something being pretty and something really 
being beautiful. Yeah. Ugly beauty, yeah. the monk said. And uh, yeah, 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 yeah. And terror, flip side of the coin. Something yeah. Sonny Schrock knew a little bit about. And okay, so the subject of our deep focus tonight is the Art Ensemble Chicago. That's what we've been listening to. Free fall, beauty, fear, confronting fear, overcoming fear, as opposed to being fearless. There's a lot of that in this music. Yes, definitely the the confronting fear thing. That was a thing of that era, right? You kind of, on one hand, you had like, you know, guys like Pharaoh Saunders and the whole kind of like post-cold train, like really ecstatic, like, yes, peace, love. And then, uh, but even within that, you had this aspect of the confrontation. I'm talking about the terror end. And our ensemble kind of embraced that aspect of it, you know, and in in a, a lot of ways, they kind of really kind of pulled it apart. But it's interesting because, you know, they called themselves the art ensemble, which gave them sort of license to kind of mess with the, you know, you know, be more abstract in a certain, they they were taking license to be more abstract about these kind of things. So it gets really sort of like, I guess poetic, you know. So I don't want to say painterly because that's kind of too obvious, but it gets, you know, there's, there's a definite kind of deep level of aesthetic thought to what they're doing that kind of goes beyond the basic, like, oh my gosh, I'm going to die aspect <laughs> of, of the terror and the beauty that's, I, I, find really compelling about what they do what is the air that catches you for the art ensemble chicago well it's it's funny because when again as as i was saying the first time i talked to when i was younger i didn't really even think about that i was just kind of interfacing with it for me the air is what i was saying earlier the, the kind of ancient to the future aspect the sort of like uh going through the whole history of the music and kind of simultaneously laying it out there and deconstructing it for me that's the air that the air is the fact that they're really they're really intellectuals <laughs> as opposed to just like a bunch of guys who are just playing their instruments and that's that's what really catches it for me there's is there a risk or is it a goal or is it something to avoid or ignore or pursue to of it becoming a product of it becoming a a familiar process well there's always that i mean you have to yeah there's 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 always, that's always uh it's a paradox because it needs to be familiar enough so that you can reach a certain level of consistency when you're doing it so that it's kind of, you have a goal, it's, it's not just like, okay, that was great yesterday and we don't really know why, it was just great because we felt great. So you kind of have to have a certain, what's the word I'm looking for? There has to be a, a, a certain sort of theoretical underpinning to the thing, but it there's a point where, I mean, we are talking about creative music, we're not talking about like, you know, pop music where you're, presenting the same thing night after night in the same way and the, the thing has to be a certain way for the people to feel like they got what they came for in this context it's more like it has to be a certain level of creativity 
or there's kind of no point in doing it. So there's a point where you you kind of have to look at what you're doing and kind of see, well, is it time to think about this? What do we need to add to what we're doing? How can we make this better? Uh, have certain things we've done uh, reached their expiration date? Mm. Are there certain things that we haven't done for a while that we kind of need to look at? Uh, having said that, I mean, you have music is music is music because it's a language and language are understandable because everybody knows, you know everybody knows all the, all the words right so what makes it poetry is how you put the words together so it's always this back and forth between okay we got to make we're making music and how far do we and how how far can we push that i'm talking about within the context of what somebody like art ensemble would be doing as opposed to the context of what you know Rollins band did or whatever so I invited you here as a fan, you being a fan of this band, mm. and hearing you talk about that. But I can't help asking you about your experience on stage and working with Harriet Tubman because the connection is so obvious now that we're talking about it and how close, I think, to what we're hearing in the art ensemble is to what you guys do on stage, even though texturally or in just about any other way it's not like you're following in their footsteps but um i think the way that you guys interact with one another the level of mutuality of what the band is and the way you each come from your own direction and meet together and all of that is it's it's i never thought about it in these terms but art ensemble chicago is a very very good model talking about it yeah it definitely is i mean uh the other two got with before i jump into this with three individuals and it's <laughs> very it's, much three individuals it's highly likely that <laughs> one of the other two guys would say something totally different than what i would say <laughs> both have been guests on the show yeah. by the way but having said that yes for me i mean the acm movement as a whole is a template for how we think about things and for me as an individual coming up doing different iterations of things the art ensemble is a group is um, one of a group of uh bands i thought about back when i was still living with my parents about okay what can i do how do i stay relevant was the question because you know it's an, you know it's something i thought about a lot you know when i was still living with my parents i was really sort of taken with b people who had really long careers that did you know and especially people who kind of were great chameleons reinventors like i was you know i mean my templates thinking about this as a kid were miles of course mm -hmm. quincy jones mm -hmm. who you know started off with count basie and then ended up with michael jackson you know uh george clinton because he kind of really just rethought his whole thing and the isley brothers because uh, they brought in the kids, you know. Yeah. They they wrote Twist and Shout, you know, for the Beatles, and then they had this whole other, they went through like three or four different musical iterations. And for me, the, the interesting thing about the art ensemble as a counterpoint is that they kind of do all of that at once. They, in the course of a, of a show, they'll go through all of the iterations. And it's interesting, you know, just, you know, knowing the backstory and knowing, you know, of the guys that when I knew the best was Lester and just knowing that 
I mean, he was involved with some, you know, with the blues, you know, he was involved with, uh, you know, Fontella Bass, who had, I believe, a number one record. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You'll still hear yeah. TV commercials and everything. So, and going from being in that situation to making this music was always compelling to me. And making this music at this level in a way that... That is the end of part one of this podcast of Deep Focus from December 10th, 2018. Melvin Gibbs, my guest, and the uh, topic of Art Ensemble Chicago. I'm Mitch Goldman. Don't go now. Don't hang up yet. There's two more parts of this program that uh, you can listen to. If you have not subscribed, you can. You can find Deep Focus on Google Play, on iTunes, Spotify, Podcast Republic, Podbean, who hosts this podcast. You could go to mitchgoldman.podbean.com to find us. And yeah, so please do subscribe if you like it and um, let us know that you like it. Uh, give us some stars if we've earned them. And um, it's all free. There's no ads. There's no money, no buttons to push, as a friend of mine used to say. It's just our gift to you. So tell some friends. Uh, support the music. Melvin Gibbs is making fantastic music. Go check him out. And his, the band Harriet Tubman that he's part of. Um, all the projects that he's working on, all worth listening to. Okay, that's it for... Part one of this podcast, I'm Mitch Goldman. Enjoy. Deep focus.